Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Monday, March 6th, 2023. This is edition number 41 of season 8 as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. We are currently in chapter 7. Today we'll be looking at paragraph number uh, 5. Let's pray first, and then we'll consider this paragraph together. Father, as we come now again to your word and to matters related to the Old Testament, especially in those 39 books that you've given to us that point us forward in expectation of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that we would see and understand this this summary that is given to us in this historic document, that it would teach us to love those things that were written in the Old Testament, and how they all uh, prefigured the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, to come. We pray, Lord, that you would help us by your word and your spirit, that you would teach us and you would guide us into all truth. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. (coughs) Well, we come to chapter 5 now. As in paragraphs 5 and and 6, really, um, we have a fuller explanation of how the covenant of grace unfolded out throughout history. Now, in today's world, uh, it seems that many in the church merely regard the Old Testament as some sort of illustration, some kind of um, uh, fodder by which preachers can use it as uh, ways to illustrate texts from the New Testament. And while there's nothing wrong with doing that, the Old Testament says far more than than that. It, it, it gives to us far more than just mere examples and illustrations. And uh, throw, so throughout the, the history and throughout the stories that are told throughout the Old Testament, we see very much the types and the shadows and those things that would prefigure uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to come. Now, let me just define a few things. When we're talking about prefiguring or we're talking about a type or a shadow, we're talking about not the substance, but we're talking about something that reflects the substance. Um, By way of illustration, if you were to go outside on a bright sunny day and to your front yard, if you have a tree in your yard and you were to see the shadow of the tree, you would, and if you only saw the shadow of the tree, you would know right away um, that that shadow demonstrates that there is something of substance somewhere in the vicinity of the light as it casts that shadow across your lawn. But you know, of course, that the shadow is not the something. It is merely a reflection or it is merely a, a, a picture of the something it represents. And so if you were to turn around and look, or perhaps uh, lift your eyes in the the proper direction, you would see the tree, the substance that is casting the shadow across your lawn. So in much the same way, the Old Testament does that for us as it uh, prefigures the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in paragraph 5, we note here that this covenant was differently administered in the time of the law and in the time of the gospel. Now this covenant, of course, is referring to the covenant of grace, and all the various manifold dispensations of the covenant of grace, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant. 
His covenant was differently administered in the time of the law and in the time of the gospel. Under the law, it was administered by promises, prophecies, sacrifices, circumcision, the paschal lamb, and other types and ordinances delivered to the people of the Jews, all for signifying Christ to come, which were for that time sufficient and efficacious through the operation of the Spirit to instruct and build up the elect in faith in the promised Messiah, by whom they had full remission of sins and eternal salvation, and is called the Old Testament. So it's efficacious, it accomplishes its purpose as it's, as it's attended to by the Spirit of God, and in fact brings true forgiveness of sin to the elect that were living in that period. That is to say, as we get to chapter 11 of the doctrine of justification, we're going to see that the, the doctrine of justification is the same both in the Old Testament as well as in the New. But the Old Testament was indeed that which foreshadowed or signified the things that were uh, to come. And it does it by various means here, as the confession in the paragraph sets forth for us. It was administered by promises, prophecies, sacrifices. And we note that uh, throughout the Old Testament, we see quite a bit of ink spilled about this matter. But if you're wondering about these things, you can Simply go read Leviticus chapters 1 through 9, and you can see how they're all spelled out for you. Circumcision, Genesis 17, in which circumcision was instituted as a sign of the covenant, the sign of the covenant of grace given, applied to um, children that were part and parcel of a household that trusted the God of heaven, either one or both believing parents. And so Abraham's children, both Isaac and Ishmael, were circumcised, and they were placed into the visible communion of God's people. The Paschal Lamb, that is to say the Passover, that pictured for us, looking forward to the Passover Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And other types and ordinances delivered to the people of the Jews. And I could elaborate here and say, when you read the instructions regarding the tabernacle and all of the various pieces of the furniture that was housed by the tabernacle, all of those items point us to Christ. All of them show us Christ in some fashion. So by way of example, the altar, of course, represents the crucifixion of Christ, and it shows how he, the, um, the, um, the one, the Passover lamb that would be slain, uh, that would give his life a ransom for many. We see that in the altar. We see that uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, in the, the mercy seat, and, and all of these different aspects of the tabernacle point us forward to Christ. They all foresignify the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were sufficient and indeed efficacious for the people of old. They weren't, they weren't deficient. God was faithful to them uh, as um, he was unfolding history so that when the fullness of time came, the Lord Jesus Christ uh, came to this earth. Let's look at a few verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, probably should back up to verse 4. Such is this confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we had much of that going on in the Old Testament. 
But as we see how uh, the fulfillment was found in Christ, all of those things that were uh, types and shadows of the Old Testament, come, they, they come to life for us. And we see how God in His kindness was working those things out. I don't have, obviously, time to read Hebrews chapter 8 through 10. The, the, those three chapters are very important, so I would encourage you to read those in relationship to this. But let's back up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and um, verses 1 through 4. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers who were, were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. So the crossing of the Red Sea was a type of baptism. By the way, no immersion, but it was a baptism. This is what the Apostle Paul plainly says here. And all were baptized into Moses in in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And so here Paul is making reference to the rock that gave forth the living water and and, and, and strengthen the people. This was Christ. It was picturing Christ for us as the one to come. And then in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 13, um, we read there, Hebrews 11 and verse 13. These all died in faith. Of course, you have to read the first 12 verses of the chapter. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So they knew what these these types and these shadows, all of these things represented for them. They saw them from afar, but we in the New Testament have been drawn near. We have been brought near to these matters. And so those of us living in the New Testament era, the post the cross, should be extremely thankful. We have the substance of everything that the Old Testament taught us. But this doesn't mean that the Old Testament is useless to us. But it shows us the continuity of God's covenant of grace across the entire spectrum of the Bible. And it should cause us as Christians to drink deeply from the, from the, from the words of the Old Testament. One of the areas of the Old Testament I greatly enjoy studying is the first five books called the Pentateuch. It is there we see so much, so much rich detail given to us in types and shadows. And then as we turn to the New Testament, we see how these things were all, un, all um, came to fruition and, and were proven in the substance and work and person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is really amazing to see. It, it, it creates a certain sense of excitement when you recognize that this book was not merely penned by men, but this was penned by the Spirit of God who connected all of these dots for us And as we faithfully study the Word of God, we see how the entirety of the Scripture points us forward and points us to and finds our hope and rest in Christ alone. And so this is the Old Testament. It is important that we study it, that we know it, and we uh, see how it does drive us forward um, to the Savior Himself. And that's why it is important for ministers of the Gospel to preach from the Old Testament. We are not just a New Testament church. We are a church that believes in the entirety of Scripture. So we must preach from the Old Testament. One of the things that I do at Providence is that one of the worship services I preach from the New Testament, and then in the other worship service I preach from the Old Testament so that 
The people of God can get a heavy, a, a full diet of all the full counsel of God as given in his word. But the other thing to remember as Christians is that we must read the Old Testament and we must read it with a lens, with a view to Christ who would come. So as the word is read in the Old Testament, think of Christ. As the word is preached, for those of you who do that, you must preach Christ from the Old Testament. Draw those connections for your people and they will benefit greatly as a result. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Tuesday edition, when we see, uh, when we conclude chapter 7 and deal with paragraph 6, may the Lord help you today. May you read his word. May you see the Lord Jesus Christ all over the pages of the scriptures. God bless.